0: So once you stand to your feet, we're gonna to pray together. Stir yourself up. Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift that is within you. Sometimes you don't feel it emotionally, but emotions come and go. Father, we thank you for this is the day you have made. We rejoice and we're glad at it. We worship you, Father God. We we once again come into the attitude of worship. Father, I thank you. We worship you, Father God. We thank you. This is the day that you have made. This is the day. We're not going to try to move past this day to get to another day. In the midst of a day, we stand our ground and we decree with our mouth what our heart is revealed by the Word and the Spirit of God, that this is an important day. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice. This is an opportunity for a praise. This is an opportunity to rejoice. This is an opportunity to experience you, Father God, in a special way. Father God, I thank you. We'll not discard this day. We'll not make it uh, lighthearted. We'll not just overlook it. We'll not wait for it to pass. No, we'll not hide from it. This is a day. This is the day you have made, and we rejoice and we're glad in it. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you, Father God, for your mighty power that's being displayed to us. We thank you for what you're bringing into our lives. We thank you, Father God, for your word tells us that without faith it's impossible to please you. For he that comes to you must believe that you are and that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. So we thank you in advance of all that you're bringing into our life. All the improvements you're doing in our life. I thank you how you're changing the thought pattern of some people right now. I thank you Father God how you're healing the broken body right now. I thank you Father God that those who might have walked in today or watch it online though they might be physically healed if they are broken in their heart. You are normal to Jesus, you said the spirit of the Lord is upon you to heal the brokenhearted. So I thank you for healing inside in the the soul of people right now. I thank you Father God, where life and sin and people and words have destroyed self-value, I thank you Father God that you are an encourager and you're healing them right now. And they'll walk out of this place encouraged and confident in the things of God. They'll be strong in the Lord. I decree over your life today people that you are the strong in the Lord and the power of His mind. I decree and declare over your life that you are bold as a lion for you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I decree and declare over your life that you are the head and not the tail. You are above always and never to be beneath. I decree and declare according to the Word of God that you reign in this life by one Christ Jesus. I decree and declare that you are not a victim but you are a victor. Greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. I decree and declare over your life that your position has been changed. Now let your perspective come into alignment. Your your position has been changed. Now let your perspective come into alignment. Father God, bring our perspective into the alignment of who you've called us to be. You have seated us in heavenly places. Bring, renew our mind. Transform our mind as we study your word, Romans 12 tells us. Let our minds be transformed. Let our world be transformed. Let our thinking be transformed as we allow our thinking to be renewed to the alignment of the position that you have called us to be today. I thank you, Father God. We praise your name, Lord Jesus. We stir up the gift of God within us. We stir up the anointing of God within us. We stir up the word of God within us. And we thank you, Father, that we we don't have to sit quietly by, but we decree a thing, and it is established. We speak your word, and it will not return void. We stand on your word today, Lord Jesus. We believe your word, Lord Jesus we believe your word Lord Jesus we praise you you are the word we thank you we believe we believe we believe and because we believe we obey we believe and therefore we obey we act upon your word that's the we display our faith because we act upon your word we believe it we say it and we are doing it and we give you praise and everyone shouted Amen. hallelujah a high five two or three people you may be seated. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Say, God is good. Thank you, Jesus. That warmed me up, hallelujah. You know, Hebrews 4, and this is not in my notes, but let me just say, Hebrews 4, verse 3 in the Amplified Translation, it says, uh, talks about God trying to bring His people into the Promised Land, and yet they wouldn't. They wouldn't believe. They wouldn't enter into His rest. And the, although it was already prepared for them, they could not enter in because of their unbelief. The Amplified says it this way: It says that God had already complete has completed everything, and is waiting for them. You can, let me say it this way. Everything that God has for us, he completed it through Jesus on the cross. Every healing, every wisdom, every idea, every protection, every favor, every answer. It's already completed. Look to your neighbor and say, it's already done. It's already done. That's why the Bible says He's given unto us. He has given, not going to give. He ha- A lot of times people pray, they're thinking in their mind, their visual is, God's going to give it to me. No, no, He has given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. Amen. Now, some people water away, see, see, God doesn't give us much, and that's where you got it. To- no, no, it's already done is what's trying to be communicated. And it's waiting for our faith to show up. Right, right. When our faith shows up, then we receive it, Hebrews 11. In Hebrews 6, when our faith shows up, and so all of a sudden it's not like, God, I'm trying to work to get you. No, God's already done it. When we're praying and fasting and reading the word, you know what you're doing? You're building your faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, Romans 10, 17. Why are we building our faith? Because we're tired of just living at the level where we've been. We're, we're, and it doesn't mean you're exhausted, but I'm just saying it's like, okay, that, I know God has more in store for me. And I don't want to just stay at this level. And it might be physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, ministry, career, whatever it might be. Relationship. You're like, okay, I know God has more for my marriage. God has more for my health. God has more for my peace of mind. God has more. And so we're building our faith. Why? Because we want our faith to show up to what God already has for you today. We call it John 10, 10 dynamic life. Living a life, because Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. It's a quality, a zoe is the Greek word, a zoe quality of life. God quality of life. It's just not life. A lot of people are doing life. A lot of people are doing life. I like, again, I like to equate it to chocolate cake, since we're all on a fast. Uh, You know, and if you, some of you remember this, hallelujah. Uh, Some cake is dry. If you ever, you you buy it and it's like, it's cheap. You know it's cheap. They didn't do the right, there's not much flavor. There's not much taste. It's kind of like dry. But you go and get the right cake. Some, it might be expensive cake. I don't know, but it's a rich cake. And you take a bite in it, and it's so chocolate, there's so much flavor, it's like you can't eat it quickly. You gotta take a bite, and then you just gotta slowly eat it and drink. You're like, you don't even like milk. You're you're lactose lactose intolerant, but it don't matter, you'll deal with it because you need some milk to get this stuff done. It is so good, and then you just savor it and wait a few minutes before you can even take another bite. It's a quality. Some people take old bad cake and they cover it every, anything and everything they can just to give some taste to it. But good cake, you don't need to cover it up. It's got great quality. See, life in general, you got to cover it up with a bunch of stuff just to get by, to make it through, just to keep, keep your own sanity. You got to add a bunch of other additives to it, if you will, just to try to get some flavor out of it. But God's quality of life, it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. You don't need to add all the other stuff. And then all of a sudden you begin to see that God already has provided all the other stuff because you're seeking first the kingdom of God and all this other stuff will be added. But that other stuff is not added to improve it as far as giving it flavor because the quality of life you get from God is so amazing that you appreciate, you're thankful, you're grateful, but you understand with or without it, you still got a great life because of Jesus. Amen. But it's like, hey, but if I'm living here, I'm going to spend time and as we're fasting and praying, our faith is growing. Why? Because we know that God's got a next level. And a next level doesn't mean you're at a bad level today. You don't look at your fifth grader and say, you know, it's at the end of fifth grade and I'm mad at you because you're in fifth grade. No, they're at fifth grade. That's a good thing. If they stayed in fifth grade, it could be a concern. Come on, Johnny. You've been in fifth grade for 20 years. Most systems will just push them through, won't they? They don't care what they, because Johnny's not going to learn after 20 years if he's he's older than the teacher. we got problems. But if someone's in fifth grade, it's okay if they're supposed to be in fifth grade. Everybody's got their level. We all keep growing. Never outgrow growth. That's one of our key phrases around, around here. Never outgrow growth. Keep growing. And praise God, wherever you're at, we celebrate it. Hope Church, we celebrate what God's doing in your life. We celebrate your promotions and your successes and your answer prayer and what God is doing in your life. We celebrate that, some churches don't. They'll get mad at you if you get too blessed, come on. How dare you be blessed? What do you mean how dare you be blessed? the, the preacher will take up two offerings and ask you, call you later that, during the week and say, we didn't get enough, can you write a check? Not if you've been dogging them during the week from the platform, it doesn't make sense. We celebrate that, but if you're at fifth grade, that's great. We don't want to stay there. We all want to go to the next level. So my faith is going to show up, which is going to enable me to go to the next level because it's already prepared. Say, it's already prepared. already prepared. See, your face will be warmer if you talk more. So if you respond with me, you'll be fine. You'll be smiling. After a while, it starts getting so cold, it'll just... And then later someone says, what are you doing? You're like, I can't talk no more. See, you got this is something helping you out. And so the end end of it the end of a season is not the end of the world, it's the beginning of the next season. When you get to the end of a situation where you're like, okay, it's time to make a change, it's time, God, I, I, I know this is where I've been, I'm thankful for it, but I know that you have more, then God has said, I'm waiting for you. It's already done. I am so enjoying to see what God has been doing in the lives, in your life. Many of you have been telling me your testimonies and stories, and some of you haven't, but you will, of how God is working in your life. And it's so cool because it's already done. Our faith is just getting to a place to receive it. And this time when you're praying and, and spending time in the Word, you're building your faith. Paul calls it spiritual exercise. You're building your faith, and it has a great reward. It has a great, re- great reward. Whew, hallelujah. Say, so it has a great reward. Say, I'm going somewhere. You know, religion has taught us you just got to stay there until someone taps your button and rings your bell and forces you up, and God's going to, no, God says, I love you, I'll leave you there, but I don't want you to stay there. You have to get to where you're like, I want more from God. I want more from God. And praise God, I'm talking to the choir. You all came out to church when negative seven degrees. But you know what? We got to keep coming back and say, Lord, I'm going to keep drinking from this water. I need more from you. I want what you have for me. And that's what we call a dynamic life. It's living that life that honors God and impacts your family, friends, and neighbors. It's not a selfish life. No, it's quite the opposite. It's knowing that that all that you have belongs to Him. And that you're living your life for His glory. To be a big time producer in the kingdom of God for the glory of God. Can I get an amen? amen. i like to say at this day, time, we're going to break this down for a regular period until we all connect in with it. It's getting to the place of saying, God, I want to be who you want me to be. Right. Right. Romans 8, 29. I want, you to, I want to be who you want me to be. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to have what you want me to have. Amen. I want to reach those you want me to reach. That's what it's about. See, greed is wanting what belongs to other people and not you. No, we're saying if it's available to you, if it's got your name on it from God, do you want it? Do you want to have that? Do you want to be that? Do you want to do that? Do you want, because I don't want to get to heaven and God say, listen, yeah, here's where you went. That's pretty good, but that's, here's where I had you to go. You didn't make it. And if you don't think that when we stand before the throne of God, it's called the Bema seat for all of us saints. This is not heaven or hell. This is how did you live your life on this side of eternity and how you will be rewarded as you go into the next side of eternity. Yes. Yes. You're like, oh, I thought we were just going to heaven. We, you know, I mean, if you're a Christian, you're going to heaven. But then there's a reward system in heaven. Amen. It's called the Bema seat. It's not a punishment seat. It's the same thing that they got where, like the Olympics, where if you ran your race well and you did do well and obeyed God and had, and had the results that God wanted you to have, there's rewards. If you led people to the Lord, there's a reward. If you obeyed God and served Him, there's a reward. It's getting quiet, so I guess i got to stay here for a few seconds. Some of you like, oh, you mean it makes a difference how I live on this side of eternity? Absolutely. And it's not just you trying to be in full-time ministry. God didn't call everybody in full-time ministry. But we're all ministers as his children. And it's about doing the will of God, doing what God wants you to do. Amen? So it's like the parable. Jesus said the master gave to three servants, one, one talent, the other two talent, the other five talent, according to the ability. So everybody's given something different. And then he comes back and says, what did you do with what I gave you? Well, I tried, but they wouldn't let me. What do you mean they wouldn't let you? They imprisoned Paul, and he still got up and kept going. They beat him, and they still got up and kept going. I'm not an advocate for us to get beat. But my point is, how many times do we lower the standard of opposition and just say, oh, I can't do this because of this opposition? Jesus went to the cross out of obedience to the Father. And before he went, he said, if there's any other way, let this cup pass. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He was saying, at all costs, I'll, I'll do your will, Father God. I'll, do, I'll obey your will. And yet, a lot of times, nobody here, you guys came to church in seven degrees negative, I could talk this way. Now, some people, some Christians, they get a little nervous. But, you know, not every Christian's that way. Some Christians are purely out of convenience, Oh, I want to serve you, Jesus, but it's just not convenient today. It it is. It's not. It's not the. You mean the opposition? Oh, I wanted to go out and preach, or I wanted to go invite my friend to church, but you know, it just doesn't. It's not convenient. They might not like me or anymore. Don't let the opposition, because the opposition created by the enemy is inflated in your mind. The devil will always make it bigger in your mind than it is in reality. Right. Oh, they'll all hate you, and you find out they won't. And the ones they do, you won't care about after a while. you are be like, you know what? Life's actually a little bit better. Right. Right. Come on. Yeah. Say, so God has big plans for me. God has big plans for me. One of the things that the Lord spoke to my heart many years ago, and uh, we've been kind of working from And I really feel it's a key. That's how I present it. This is a key for for life. And that's three parts. Catch a vision that inspires you to act. We talked a little bit about that already. Because if you see yourself as a failure, you know, God has to, he had to redefine Abram's perspective of himself to get Abram to become and receive Abraham. Covenant, a blessing, father of many nations. Implement a process that enables you to act. Yield to the Spirit who empowers you to act. Yield to the Spirit who empowers you to act. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalms 92. Are you still with me? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. I believe... Part of that prayer the Lord placed in my heart is to get us to open and be able to see where God's called us to be. He's already prepared the place. He's already positioned us. He's already elevated us, actually. But a lot of people don't walk or have that authority that He's called us to have. And part of it we need is what we're talking about today. Psalms 92, verse 10, Amplified says, David says, But my horn, my emblem of strength and power, you have exalted like that of a wild ox. I am anointed with fresh oil for your service. King James says, I will be anointed with fresh oil. David's an interesting character. I love studies on David, the individual. uh, Because talk about a rags-to-riches story. And it's amazing how the Bible has them write all the stuff, even when they mess up and do stuff wrong. Uh, so it's just not a hurrah victories. It's like the real deal. Here's what's went on in their life. But David's stories. I mean, most people know that he's written Psalms. That p- most people know the story of David killing the Goliath, uh, the giant. Uh, they know how David uh, killed the lion and the bear, his father's sheep. But a lot of times they miss out He was a man after the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. He was the second king of Israel and Judah. He regained and brought back the Ark of the Covenant. You know the Psalm where it says, David said, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High? Some rabbis believe that actually what is happening is David, because David had a tent for the Ark of the Covenant. And on the Ark of the Covenant, above it would be the glory of God, the presence of God. And that's why the high priest, when they finally got it built, only the high priest could go in once a year. But during this timeline, uh, they were moving it. It was like in a tent. And because it was in a tent, uh, David had access to it. And no one really, no one could touch it. One guy tried to touch it when it looked like it was falling. And... uh, and he died. It's like the real deal stuff. And so they had these poles, and God told them, "If you want to move it, this is how you move it." And uh, so it was sacred. It was powerful. It brought uh, victory over the enemies of Israel. And so to the point that even the, the, enemies, the enemies said, hey, we got to get a hold of that. They just thought it was the most amazing weapon. Boy, were they mistaken for other things. But anyway, uh, because you can't imitate, you can't get a hold of what God is doing and trying to make it yours if you're not serving God. That's a dangerous thing. Did you hear me? That's a dangerous thing. What's happening in the church world, and I'll just take a few seconds. What I, one of the things that's happening in the church world is... People who used to be right with God, who are no longer right with God, trying to get a hold of the power of God, and it's a dangerous thing. Because you want to make sure you're living for Jesus if you want to operate in the power of God. Amen. Get a hold of it some—anyway, so let me get back to my thought. So David, uh, some rabbis believe that what he was actually saying where he said, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Think of a shadow. Think of a shadow created by an object that's in between you and that a, a powerful light source or light. And so some rabbis believe that what David was doing is he had learned how, that he could crawl under this where they had the Ark of the Covenant propped up and he could crawl under and lay on his back and look up and see the glory of God. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty I will say of the Lord. That's a good psalm. And he'd lay there and begin to think about God and see the presence of God and begin to declare who God is. I will say of the Lord. David had some amazing exploits. He was the second king of Israel. And a lot of people don't realize that even to this day, Jerusalem is called the city of David. Thousands of years later, can you imagine doing something in your life where you conquered or, or became the, a governor or whatever it was, and they named the city after you, and thousands of years later, they still call it your city. Yeah. It's through the lineage of David that Jesus came, and it's through that th- throne that Jesus said that, that his ancestors will live and, and reign, referring to Jesus. Jesus. And one thing that David brings out that I believe the power importance of. And that's the power of the anointing, the oil. I love, uh, personally, I love uh, movies that are time travel. I love time travel TV shows. I love time travel movies. Some of you can geek with me. Some of you are like, well, I don't get it. Uh, I, I just love the whole paradox of shifting. I mean, like, if you can go back and see your great 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 grandfather and then you accidentally pushed him off a cliff and he died would and he died. If he died, think about it. if he died, then you wouldn't have been born, right? And if you weren't born, then you couldn't go back and push him. Right? All this paradox stuff. I like the, the depths, you know what I mean the twists and turns and uh you know what I, mean? I always thought if I ever got a chance to go back in time, you know what I mean, I'd find this Somebody in or find my younger self there's a movie that you did that, and it, find my younger self and give them all the stocks they need to buy. Yeah, you go. And you can go back and all of a sudden you're super rich. Come on somebody. Or warn yourself, don't talk to them, don't hang out with them. Right, right. And you, you think I'm just being uh, silly, but you know, t- time is actually a not to get into physics a little bit, but time is a variable that God created for man, and he'll wrap it up. This linear thing we call time will be changed. And God stopped time in the Bible. God even moved time back 15 minutes in the Bible. It's it's a mathematical equation that we've tried to calculate. But it can be changed. It's a, it's a, most people just think time is constant, and it 's not. oh, I love this stuff so i 've got to get back into the <laughs> you know just most people do you know scientifically this is not this is not Bible this is scientific, but it's, it's God created everything. The the earth pulsates and moves and that you could be anywhere between five and seven feet higher or lower than before. And as a result, the closer you get to the center of the earth, time is faster. The farther you get from the center of the earth, time is slower. As a result, that we have clocks that are at different places of the world and they all master together. And that's why there's one central clock and that's what defines everything in the lungs of if you're going on a trip and you put it in the navigational system. Do you know how that nav can tell you where you're at in time and space and how long? It's all because of that the map. It's just not one clock, there's multiple clocks, and they go out way past, like so many digits past the zero because time has a has motion to it. And God's going to wrap it up one day and say, this thing that you know is time, let me bring you to a greater dimension of time. Because God is not limited to time. He's everywhere at all times. The Bible says He sees the end from the beginning. Amen. Some of you are like, if I can go back, get 10 minutes of my time right back, because I don't care about movies. But anyway, it, it, I like time-travel movies. And if David would come back, if, if we could time-travel David into our time frame, I wonder what he would say. I wonder what he would say. I think that's why Revelation seems so obscure to us is because it, it looks kind of scary, but it's not necessarily scary because what, what if it was God saying, here, John, I'm going to pick you up and I'm bringing you to the future. How does, some, how does somebody in John's time frame, Bible time frame, come to a modern future time and describe a helicopter? Yeah. A plane flying over So, go back and read Revelation and look at it. And when it talks about, you know, I mean, the roar and and all the wings and the face, you know, I mean, take in consideration. Maybe he's trying to communicate what he has seen, but he's never seen before. And I think if David was translated in time, and I don't know why these ideas keep coming to me, but I mean, God did it with Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus goes up, and who shows up? Moses and Elijah. I I wonder how that is. I mean, did they just kind of like step over, and bam, they're there in the future? Did they know that they were going to the future? Was it immediate to them? Like, hey, there's Jesus. Where are we at? Wow, things have changed since I've been here. Time. Some of us... We could become wasters of time and miss the opportunities that God's bringing into our life. The Bible says redeem the time because the days are evil. Because we think if I miss a time, an opportunity, oh, God will understand. He'll give give it to me again. And many times there won't. Because if you don't pray for somebody when God asks you to pray for them, you might miss the opportunity where their healing was available and they might pass away. And then you're like, oh, I wish I would have prayed. And that's true, but we can't go back in time. Don't miss the time, the opportunities that God brings in our life. Oh, I'll do it later. I'll serve God later. You might not have later. Matthew 25, there will be a time when the door is closed and those that are outside can't get in. We're like, oh, I I got plenty of time. You don't know what you have. You can't, you can guesstimate what you think in the future, but you don't know oh, I never saw that coming. I get it. That's why, because we don't know. We can have the Holy Spirit show us things, but if you're not serving God, don't miss the time. Don't miss the opportunity. This is the day. This is the day of salvation. I'll wait to to serve God. I'll wait to reach out to people when I get this, when I get this education, when I get some more training, when I have the right. And we look for the mix of what we think is necessary for us to step into God's idea, opportunity for us. And we miss the time, the opportunity. We miss the opportunity. Why? Oh, because we just think time is no big deal. Time is valuable. Time is valuable. See, time is valuable. God gave it to us, but it's not going to be there forever. Don't wait to serve him later, serve him now. Amen. So if we brought David into our timeline and said, and said, David, what do you think? We showed him all the churches that's going on in the, in the world today. There are probably a lot of different answers of what people think he might say. Some might say he would look at the modern day church world, not, but all Christians everywhere, and might tell him, hey, What's your cause? You, you're running and gunning and moving and, and grooving and going through routines and making decisions and paying your bills. What, what's, what's the point? What's the cause? David was a cause type of person. Before he fought Goliath, they were giving him a hard time because he spoke up and he said, isn't, there, isn't this a cause? Mm-hmm. For some, they might think, oh, he would look at the modern day church all, all over and say, you know what, you guys are... You got to get your act together. You're not, you're living in too much sin. That might be the case. He might look at the modern day worship and saying, it's it's really cool sounding, but you you might be missing some things. Not at Hope Church, but globally. I think David would say something different. I think David would say something that impacts our walk with God, impacts our our living for the Lord, impacts our prayer, impacts our worship, impacts our cause. And I believe David would be screaming from the balconies, bring back the oil. Bring back the oil. Do you know some churches have literally stood up and did a a, basic like reverse prayer, inviting the Holy Spirit to leave. I think David would cry out and say, bring back the oil. Because David learned that without the oil, because the prophet Samuel anointed him with oil. Before the oil, he was a, he was a, a nobody, a nothing. A, the shepherd is the least worst job. He was, the, he was ignored. His, his own father, uh, Jimmy, forgot him when the prophet came to say, one of your sons are going to be king, which you need let me see your sons. And his own father forgot to bring him, some theologians believe that he purposely forgot, and they'd use the, the psalmist where David says, "I was conceived in iniqu- iniquity," and some people believe that he was a byproduct of an a bad relationship, a moral relationship. Whatever the reason, all the, all the things before the oil, he didn't have. I mean, it wasn't like you looked at him and say, "Now, now there's a lot of promise and potential there." He was overlooked. Just like the devil gives us reasons why God can't use us or won't use us or won't do great things in and through us. But in, the, in one of the prayer services we had this week, you know, the Lord really pressed upon our heart. In the kingdom, there is no waste. Jesus told the disciples, gathered all the fragments and nothing be wasted. There is nothing. The devil will tell people that they're insignificant. But Jesus said, I shed my blood for you. You are of great value. But I'm telling you, in the kingdom of God, there is no waste. God wants to use all of us. Don't let the devil tell you that you have no value. But even if he's got you convinced, let me approach it from a different side. God can still use you if you make yourself available. And David, was, David had no great achievements, no great anything until the oil. Once the oil, once he got the anointing, things changed. Once he got the anointing, I, I believe the songs totally changed. Once he got the anointing, he became bold as a lion and was able to kill a, a lion and a bear and then a giant. Once he got the oil, he became king of a nation, king of a pe- leader of a people. Once he got the oil, he was able to go after the, the Ark of the Covenant. Once he got the oil, he was a whole different person. It was the anointing, it was, it was the oil of God that changed it. And just so we're all on the same page, because I know some of you, maybe you're just coming to church, maybe just got saved, some have been saved for a long time. The oral is is an example, a metaphor. It's a metaphor of three things. It is the presence of God, it is the ability of God, and it's the power of God. Say the presence of God. The the ability of God. God. And the the power of God. David learned that if he wanted to do what God wanted him to do, he needed the oil. Yeah. If he wanted to be who God wanted him to be beyond his best, he needed the oil. Yes. If he wanted to have what God already had for him to have, he needed the oil. Amen. And I think that cries out to all of us because we can get great ideas and say okay if I just work harder God wants you to do something because faith without works is dead. It's not sitting in your easy chair and say I'll pray a little bit and it all just unfolds. No you have to go after it. The kingdom of God suffereth violence and the violent taketh by force. Hebrews 11 tells us and they uh, they subdued kingdoms and obtained the promises by their faith. They obtained them. They went after them. They didn't sit back and say I know you love me Jesus and everything just let the truck back up. Beep. Beep, beep. The truck of heaven is bringing me something today. I don't know. No, no, no. You got to say, God, I'm so hungry for you. I want to put into action your plans. I want to do what you've called me to do. I want to be who you've called me to be. I want to have what you've called me to have. And you look at the devil and say, Listen, you have tormented me. Too long, you have been a disruption to me. Too long, I have bowed my knee to the problem, or obstacles, or pressures, or issues that the world has brought. Too long, and all of a sudden you get a revelation of who you are—that you are the light of the world. And Isaiah 60 says you begin to arise and shine because the light of God, the light and understanding of His word, has come to you. Because the oil of heaven, you begin to experience the presence of God, the power of God, and the ability of God, and realize that your prayers don't. Have have to be within the confines of the boundaries of what you can make happen. But you can begin to dream the dreams of heaven and say, God, paint a picture in me who you want me to be. Paint the picture of what you want me to do. God, paint the picture. You want me to ask for in prayer, but show me how to pray. Teach me. Give me what you want me to pray for. And you'll be surprised how the Spirit of God will begin to birth the ideas in you that seem impossible, that will cause somebody to laugh at you. Listen, that's why you're not called to tell every Everybody, everything. But if you call, if you tell somebody something and they laugh at you, don't worry about it because that's a good sign that you are on the right track. Because David's own brother laughed and mocked at him. But when Goliath fell, David's brother had to shut up about him. You can't argue once it's over. They might try to discourage you, but don't let the discouragers have their way. Rise up and who God's called you to be and say, I'm going to be that man or woman of God that called me to be. I'm going to be who God wants me to be. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Before I take my last breath on this side of eternity, I don't care where you are at in the race of your life. I'm t- You might only have one lap left. I want to encourage each and every one of you. Have it in your heart. Before I take my last breath, before I step into eternity, I'm going to run this rest of my race with everything I got. Paul says run it as if, as if you're planning on winning it. I'm going to run it. I'm going to give it everything i'm gonna be all in i'm not gonna hold anything back i'm not playing a game i become serious with this i am doing what god's called me to do i'm gonna be who called god called me to be i'm gonna have what god called me to have hell doesn't like it i don't care hell or high water i'm gonna get from heaven what god wants me to have i'm gonna do what heaven's telling me to do if you believe that take the next 30 seconds and give him a praise hallelujah God will dream big dreams to you. There are so many illustrations and examples, and there's movies that are biographies, and, and it's amazing to me how they take the God factor out of a lot of those stories. But you dig deeper, you find out that God was in the center of it. Martin Luther King was a man who saw the op- opposition that no one would deal with, and he rose up and says, this is not acceptable, this is not what God wants, I'm going to go for it. Yeah. I don't know what's in your life that has been accepted that truly is unacceptable, that we have tolerated, we have warmed up to, we have allowed, we have let it sit around and stay around and be a part of our life. And you become, if you're not careful, labeled by it. But I'm telling you, even with there's a label, it doesn't have to define you. God can break through that. God can break through the glass ceiling. God can break through the bars of impossibility. He is the God of the impossible, and he wants to do the impossible in your life. Today, if you believe that, give him a praise. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. He is the God of the impossible, all things are possible to him who believes. The presence of God. The oral represents the presence of God. Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost. It's the presence of God. The, most people, don't, when they first get saved, don't realize Jesus Christ. Christ is not his last name. Christ means the anointed one and his anointing. Listen to me, church. This is going to sound a little out there, put it on the back burner, but I just want to encourage you because I believe we're in the last days. And Jesus said in Matthew 24, many will say Christ is there and Christ is there. Careful when people refer to, to Jesus as Christ because they might not be referring to the same Christ as you know. Christ is a title. It's a position. It's the anointed one and his anointing. It's the Messiah. And there's many different religions out there looking for their own Messiah. And in Matthew 24, Jesus said in that last days that many will come and say, there's a Christ here and Christ there. And he said, don't go. Right. Because they're not. So when people are like, oh, we're serving Christ, I'm serving Jesus. Right. You're like, well, that is, that's splitting hairs. It might be to you, but not for me. Right? right? It, I mean, if, you're, if you're playing in the NFL, if you're playing in a, in a major sport, if you're running in the Olympics, whatever, you have to change things differently. Right. It might not be a big deal to you. If you're getting ready to, to go on a 30-mile marathon, well, a few ounces in the weight of your tennis shoe makes a big difference. Yeah. If you're going to walk across the room, you don't care how much your shoes weigh. But I'm telling you, in the last days, this, the, the tactic of the enemy, the devil, uh, the Bible's already said the devil will try to deceive. He's a deceiver with lying wonders. Yeah. And it, when people are like, oh, we're just followers of Christ, that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, someone can say, I'm a follower of Christ too, come with me. Oh, okay. And their Christ is a different Christ yeah. that was free. They can imitate a lot of stuff, but they cannot imitate the presence of the Holy Spirit. Right, right, right. They, can, they can imitate lights and sound and skills and emotion, words. But if you're in sync with the Lord, you know, something on the inside would be like, something's not right. They're saying the right words, but something's not right. I'm hearing what sounds should be encouraging, but something's not right. The Holy Spirit will show you. You know what I mean? There's even... There's, there's get back. The presence of God. The presence of God. It's the power of God. Isaiah 10, 27. And the burden will be removed. The yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. The anointing is a burden removed and yoke destroyed. What does that mean? Well, they would take a yoke that would wrap around the ox's neck and it would allow the person to, uh, to work them and move them and direct them and plow the field or whatever they needed them to do. And they were... Uh, they weren't free to go where they wanted to go because they were under the yoke of something. Jesus told the Pharisees and Sadducees, you have taken people that were under the yoke of the, of the world of, the, of sin, and by the time you get done with them, they're worse off because they brought another yoke upon them. It doesn't mean that you could do anything goes. No. It doesn't mean that you can live and sit and choose what you want to. No. Romans 6 tells us, do we use our freedom to go back into sin? He says, Paul says, God forbid. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that walk around that love God in the church world, but there's yokes around their life. And they can't serve God the way they want to. They can't do what God's called them to do. And it's like they're trying to deal with addictions and mindsets and, and habits and things they saw or things they were experienced as children. And all of a sudden, or words that were Spoken over to him, but I tell you that the, uh, Jesus said that the Father has the ability to uproot anything He didn't plant. And I tell, I speak over someone's life right now. Any words has been spoken over you that were in conflict with the Word and will of God. In the name of Jesus, we bind it and I command it to be uprooted out of your life from ever producing fruit ever again in Jesus' name. It's the presence of God, the power of God, the ability of God. Jesus, quoting Isaiah in Luke 4, uh, verse 18, He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach, to declare. I like to say it this way. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He, the Holy Spirit, has anointed me to do something. To do something. He's anointed me to do something. He's anointed me to do something. We're just running to the something and we need to get the anointing before we start with the something. A lot of people in church world see God do something with someone and they're like, that's cool, I'm going to do the something. And the world's filled with Christians doing the something and they get exhausted, they get worn out and they don't see the results and they wonder what's wrong. It's because they're doing something but they aren't doing the right thing because you have to get the anointing for the Jesus said, not everybody will enter the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of my Father. Jesus said, many in that last days will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we enlist some great things? He said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I don't even know you. The word iniquity in the Greek literally means, uh, in one translation, it says, you who did unauthorized works. Because we have defined Christianity sometimes, in some circles by the expression of what we do. And don't misunderstand me. Keep every truth in the center, in the, uh, the road, middle. Without expression, there is no faith, Paul says. Show me your faith. I'll show you faith by my works. But the faith by works, it comes out of a revelation. Yes. Yes. And some people, it, it, you know, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a, just a deal thing. Someone gets saved and they're so excited, they go to somebody who's been saved for 120 years. I say it like that so no one thinks I'm calling on anybody. And they'll say, you know what, I mean, what do I need to do? And the dear sister who's been saved for 120 years gives them a list of all the things they should and shouldn't do. And instead of trying to be Jesus to them, why don't they walk them like John the Baptist says, so, you know what I mean, let me connect you and show you how to keep connected to my Jesus. <laughs> Let me show you how to read the Bible. Let me show you how to pray. Let me show you how to get into worship. Let me show you how to k- submit yourself to God. And, and let me show you how to walk this thing out because it's in the fire. You'll fu- It's in the fire. It's in the presence of God that they'll begin to experience the Word of God becoming alive. And God's saying, you've been lying, I want you to stop lying. You know, it's one thing that's trying to not lie when you think it's a good idea. But when the Spirit of God reveals the Word of God and tells you, stop lying, it's a whole different game. Why? Because with the revelation, you get the anointing ability to do it. Amen. It's the presence of God, the power of God, the, the ability of God. See, so bring back the oil. David said, I will be anointed with fresh oil. I think David would be screaming and shouting from the rafters. Bring back the oil. Praise God for this other stuff. I'm not diminishing the lights and the cameras, and we have that. Or the programs and events, we have that. Or the outreaches, we have that. But if that's the key, I think we miss out. We all individually and corporately, corporately, we need the oil. We need the presence of God in our life. We need the power of God in our life. We need the ability of God in our life. Other than that, everything seems two-dimensional and you're on the outside watching. But when you experience what God does, it brings up a whole other dimension. Amen. Bring back the oil. 1 Kings nineteen nineteen. 19. God had told Elijah, I want you to go anoint, and gave him three people, and one of them was Elisha. And he found Elisha Sometimes we miss the details. He found Elisha successful in business. He had 12 oxen groups, and he was leading he was he was running the twelfth one. In a time that there had been a famine. So to have just any animals alive, might as well something you're plowing. Rain had come, and Elisha was like, I'm not waiting. It's time to go. Let's get everybody out there. We're working. And Elijah walks by, and the Bible says that he took his mantle. Elijah took his mantle, the mantle of Elijah, which represents the anointing. And he just placed a little bit on Elisha. And Elisha says, let me... Let me deal with family and I'll come after you. And Elijah says, what do I, what did I have to do with you? Elijah didn't try to convince Elisha. He didn't, you know, a lot of times we we try to convince people to serve God. You can't convince people to serve God. That's in the realm of reason and logic. It's got to be a heart revelation. And there's a balance here. Because some people are like, oh, all I need is the presence of God. But they have no word and no structure. And without the word grounding you, you become flaky as a nut. Oh, I'm so hungry. I need the presence. Yeah, but they have no time in the word. They don't walk out the principles of God's word. They don't obey God. Everything's a free form and they just float around. It's like a bottle rocket without a stick. The more power, the longer the stick and stronger the stick's got to be. You need them both. We need the word and we need the spirit. Word without the spirit, you'll dry up. I didn't say that. The Bible says it. It says the law without the spirit brings death. Have you ever met somebody in church that all dried up? No life, no smile, no anything. No, you know I mean? You're like, what? Sitting on the front row. No, exp- No, you all stay where you ought Sitting on, n- nobody here in the front row. Sitting on the front row for 120 years. No, you guys have a lot of life. You're fine. Sitting on the front row for 120 years, and they're all dried up and angry and like bitter, and then they tell somebody, I've been serving Jesus for 120 years. Would you like to know him? No, not that Jesus. Something not right. Because we need, I mean, there's people who are going to quote the Bible. And you're like, man, they know the Bible. But there's no life. Because it's all intellectual to them. And they have the facts, but they have no hard understanding, Matthew 13. The Word, the seed of the Word has to be revealed, Psalms 119. The entrance, the unfolding of His Word brings light. It gives understanding. It's that understanding that Matthew tells us, 13, that it, that it gives, goes into our heart. Without the understanding, all you got is information. You explain it, but nothing to obtain it. Yeah. So we need the Spirit. We need the Word. Yes. I will be anointed with fresh oil. So Elijah walked up to Elisha and just touched him with the anointing and just walked on. And Elisha said, I, he said, okay, he, I'm going to, he was going to make sure he didn't go back. So he went and killed the oxen, created fire and fed some people. And then he went off to Elijah, he, and he began to pursue the anointing. The anointing was so tangible, and uh, even under the old covenant, that it caught the attention of a successful businessman and said, I'm going to give up what I have because there's something greater that I don't. I've just been exposed to something. We have, in the church world, a lot of times we try to get people to serve God out of reason and logic, and it don't work that way. It's got to come out of an experience with God. It's got to come from the experience of the, the Spirit and experience with the Word together. Yes. Otherwise, again, you get just nutty people. Oh, I don't have to listen to the Word. I'm being led. I had one person tell me, I don't even need the Word you because I have deeper revelation that's above the Word of God. You're wrong. You're wrong. You don't get revelation above the Word. You get a revelation from the Word. oh, I don't have to do what anybody tells me to do. I'm just led by the Spirit, and I just go to whatever church I want to go to. You're a nut. <laughs> and I'm helping you out now, telling you the truth and love, because you can get it dealt with, because in five years you'll be in the same place, and you'll blame everyone and everything on why it's not working for you, instead of t- looking in the mirror of God's Word and say, Lord, what is in my life that needs to be aligned? What what do I need to bring into alignment so I can fulfill destiny and purpose? And Elijah pursued, Elisha pursued Elijah. And we know the story that that at the end before Elijah was going up, Elisha knew he was going up. Elijah knew he was going up. The sons of the, the, the prophets in the school of the prophets knew that Elijah was going, and When? Elisha, don't you know your master's going up today? Yeah, yeah, I know. Shut up. Greg Bruce translation, but it's in there. He knew. Man, I would love to go to heaven that way, wouldn't you? Someone's like, can I talk to you for a few minutes? You got three because my ride's getting ready to come. <laughs> What'd you get an Uber? No, I got something better than Uber. You got a chauffeur limousine? No, I got something even better than a chauffeur. If you stand around for a few minutes, you're about to see it. And Elijah said to Elisha, who had served him, said, what, do you, what can I do for you? And he said something, and I, I don't know where he got it except for a desire for the presence of God, the anointing of God. And he said, I want twice the anointing on your life that I wanted on my life. Yeah. And later on in life, Elisha was approached. Let me close with this. Elisha was approached, and he got that double anointing, by the way. And Elisha was approached by a widow. Her husband was one of the sons of the prophets, the Bible says. He was in great debt. Some theologians believe that the reason he was in debt is because of the famine and that he was going into debt to, keep the, to feed the other prophets. And because of the debt, the creditors have shown up, and during that time frame, they did, didn't foreclose on you. They took your children as servants until the debt was paid off. And she shows up and says to the... To the prophet, you know my husband, how he feared God. And now he's left me in debt, and the creditors are here to take my sons. And the prophet of God says to him, What do you have? See, some of us are looking for grandstand opportunities. We got to begin to look at what God brings into our life. Amen. What do you have? I don't have any opportunity. Many times the opportunity is right in front of you and you're just overlooking it. You're moving it around. You're trying to get around them, looking for the opportunity of God, and God brought the opportunity in front of you. I talked to one person and then they were like, Man, I just don't get any opportunities to preach. I said, "You uh, You got a camera? You got a phone? Preach three times a day online. Right. There you go. There you go. What do you have? And she says, I have nothing but a little bit of oil. God starts with where you're at, what you have. Quit looking for grandstand opportunities. Because if you're faithful in the little, you'll be faithful in the much. Some people, they're like, I'll only activate for God all in when it becomes much. It'll never be much for you. Because you got to be all in when it seems like you have nothing. And in the nothing, you're God saying, God, I had a hunger for you. I'm coming to you. I don't have anything. And God begins to realign your vision. Catch a vision. He realigns your vision to see that you do have something. Though you may have discarded it. Though you maybe overlooked it. Though you might not have thought it was significant enough for God to use. God said, listen, give it to me. Put it in my hands. Just a little homework assignment. You remember when Jesus fed the 5,000? That wasn't the only time he he fed a crowd with the little boy's lunch. Go back and find both situations in the Gospels. And then you'll notice something when you stare at it and study it for a while, that he fed more people with less than he did the other. When the little boy's lunch was smaller, he actually fed more people. What am I telling you? We serve a God that can do the impossible. He is the God of the impossible. And he said to the widow woman, What do you have? I have nothing. Pastor never asked me to preach. I remember preaching to an empty parking lot. Time and time, writing sermons that no one would ever hear. Well, I think I'm past that. No, you're older than that, but that doesn't mean that you're past that. You still go through the process, even though you might have started late in the journey. But it doesn't mean that you're insignificant. God has a responsibility for all of us. Can I get an amen? What do you have? I have nothing. But a little oil," he said. "I want you to take it, and I want you to do something." Greg Bruce translation. "I want to do. I want you to do something that will make no sense to your logical brain. What is that? I want you to go borrow. Go borrow. You don't understand. I'm in debt. The creditors are coming." Read the Bible as a new newspaper story and not as a fairy tale story. The creditors are coming. Who's going to loan me anything? I want you to go borrow. Borrow is what got me in this problem anyway. I want you to go borrow. It's different when you do you're doing something than when you're doing God's thing. People strive for the something. Remember that we talked about that earlier. I want you to go borrow, and I want you to borrow not a few vessels. Go borrow. Okay, we, we borrowed a bunch of stuff. Now what? Now go into this room, close the door behind you and your sons, and I want you to take the little of the nothing you had, and I want you to release what you thought was nothing and watch God do something as you begin to pour it into the empty pots. Something's going to happen. I don't believe the miracle happened when she looked into the little pot of nothing. It was something that she could hold, and she began to pour it, As she leaned over to pour it. When you pour something, you just don't said You have to turn it. You have to realign it. You have to, are you listening to me? You have to get it into a different alignment. For us to get into the alignment of God's assignment, we might have to get into a different alignment. And we reposition ourselves to a posture of being someone who's pouring. you got to realign to be in the posture of a pour. As long as you're in the posture of God, give me, give me, give me, you'll miss out on the multiplication of the miracle. Because the multiplication of the miracle doesn't come from you wanting. It comes from It comes from you being in a posture to pour. That's the Bible all through it. Give and it shall be given unto you. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Do unto others and it will happen unto you. What is it? Quit sitting there empty saying, I need, I need, I need. And say, God, show me. Well, I don't have much, but what I have is available. Show me the opportunity. Help me redeem the time. And I will position myself into a posture of pouring. And the miracle of multiplication is in the poor. Not in the pot god i'm holding this pot i see nothing it still looks like nothing it doesn't feel like anything more than what i had yesterday and god said you're not in the right position what do you mean i'm holding the pot we got the empty pots we're in the room the door is locked but you're still not pouring well wouldn't it get heavier when i pour no because what i want to do you can't handle in your strength And I need you to be in a position to pour so that what I'm going to do, you couldn't carry the weight of all the oil that's coming. You can't carry the weight of all the oil that I'm getting ready to pour out. So all I do is give you what you can handle. But if you believe me, I'll do more than what you can handle. And she began to pour. And the Bible said when she began to pour the oil was multiplied and the more oil filled one container and filled another container and i know i'm going long but i'm getting into something you can leave and come whatever you want to do and she would pour into the other container and finally she screamed to her sons give me another container which means she was getting into the pour because once you get into the process of pouring you don't want to stop You're like, I just got a hold of something. Some of you are like trying to be polite with the things of God. No, you got to be a pit bull with the things of God. I just found out something. I just found out that this thing works. I just found out that this word is true. I just found out when I give, I receive. I just found out when I obey, God works. I just found out my prayers. I got a hold of something. Don't give it up. Don't cast pearls before swine. Hang on to what God's given you. Don't let it go. Don't forget it. Keep it in your life. Hallelujah. God's pouring, my friend. God's pouring, my friend. We're in a season. We're in a day. God's pouring. He's looking for people willing to pour. We're having so many unusual miracles at Hope Church healings and deliverances and, and emotional and financial and, and story after story. It's amazing that we even take time in our staff meeting and we have a period of time saying, what stories have you heard this week? Not stories that you heard 20 years ago. What's going on this week? Right, right. Because God is doing something every week. Amen. And one of the things I think is, uh, and not that any of them are better or, or less as good as the other, they're all amazing because it's, it's a God-poor. But one of the things I think that I'm noticing that's interesting is we're getting people from all different denominations to come. Right. We love people. We love Jesus. We love people. Don't matter what denomination they came out of. Yeah. And a lot of them that never been in the presence of God, the anointing of God, based on whatever denomination they came out of, they didn't believe in it. Maybe they, didn't. they asked the Holy Spirit, don't show up. But they're walking in and they're experiencing the presence of God and the love of God. And they don't know how to articulate it. But they're like, man, I, this, is, this is interesting. This is amazing. Yeah. But we're also having people show up that have come from backgrounds where there was the flow of God's presence and his fire. Yeah. And they're making comments. You have simply assembly of God. You're not a Pentecostal church of God in Christ. And they're coming in and they're like, I remember this. Yeah. I remember this. Yeah. It's because somewhere over the years, the group that had it. For God to keep in position of pouring. And once you've been pouring the oil, there's something on the inside of you. You can't always articulate it. You can't always explain it to people. But you know there's a difference. It will go past the, the mental... You walk into a room and say, I don't know what's going on, but my spirit person, just like just like Elizabeth when Mary walked in, who was pregnant with the Son of God, the Messiah, the anointed one. And all she did is said, Good morning, greeted her. And she said, The moment my ears heard a greeting, my spirit jumped within me. Yeah. What's the that's the oil. There's people who go to church and they'll leave the church today and they'll go back saying, I went to church, but they know that there was no oil and their spirit person is starving yes. for the oil. Yes. And They may or may not come into this house or to another church that flows in the anointing, but they might cross your path. Yes. yes. Don't miss the opportunity. Yes. Don't miss the opportunity. A while back I did a message on... Uh, on this particular verse and I took a different angle because when she yelled out to her sons give me more pots they said there are no uh, there are no more pots they're all full the Bible says and the oil stopped multiplying and I've taken a different position I still I still stick with this what I had before that the oil didn't stop because the pots were full People preach, when the pots are full, the oil stops. No, that's not how it works, because David said, you'll anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. He is El Shaddai, Elohim. He is the God of more than enough. He is the God that cannot be contained. The miracle didn't stop, because the containment ceased. The miracle stopped, because the woman thought there's no other reason to pour, and she changed her position. When she changed her position to pour, that's when the oil stopped. Because in her mind, she thought there's no other place to go. But if she would have got a hold of this idea of who God is and say, wait a minute, it's pouring and it keeps pouring. What if I stayed in, what if I maintained this position of pouring? What if I stay available for the presence of God? What if I go throughout my routine instead of just thinking about Jesus when I show up on church on Sunday? What if I say, Lord, today, this is the day you have made. I'm available to you. Use me anytime, any place. That doesn't mean you got to be praying 24-7. That doesn't mean that's all you think about. You say, God, I'm available, and I'm staying in a position to pour." If I'm at work, if I'm doing whatever, if I'm at the gym, it don't matter. Lord, I'm available. You tap me on my shoulder. You bring it to my attention. God, I am in position. I'm going to live in position. I'm going to stay in position. I'm going to stay and maintain the position to pour because I want the oil to flow. And if she would have stayed in a position of pouring, I'm telling you, what would happen? The oil would have kept going into the bucket and then it would have overflown the bucket. And all of a sudden, if the condition containers were overflowing it would get to the ground and after a while it would saturate the ground and after that it would move outside the room and after that if you keep pouring how much does God have I'm telling you the God we serve is God of more than enough his power is without measure David said you cannot measure it you cannot count it is anything too hard for God there is nothing too hard for God he can raise the dead he can bring and create life he can create it." heavens and the earth there is nothing and if he wanted that oil if she would have kept believing because the sight of her believing was in the posture of her poor yeah. And if she would have kept on believing and pouring, I'm telling you, the prophet of God would have said, what's going on? I just walked by your house and there's oil in the streets. There's oil in the streets. What is going on? People are coming and gathering. Crowds are coming because there's oil in the streets. Quit trying to do it by game and gimmick. Get back to the oil. I cry out to you. Let it be a cry of your heart. Oh God, bring back the oil. The level, the level of oil that you want me to be pouring say there's oil in the streets shout there's oil in the streets oh God bring back the oil bring back the oil bring back the oil a hunger for the presence of God hunger for the power of God a hunger for the ability of God Hallelujah. I want us to take the next few minutes. Be seated, be seated. If you're here today and do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you to pray this prayer with me. I'm not into religion, I define that as man's rules to get to God. I'm into a real relationship with Jesus. Say, Heavenly Father, I repent of my sins. I turn to you today. I believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He came to this earth in the flesh, died on a cross for my sins, was buried for me, and on the third day rose again for me because I believe that. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, wash me, cleanse me, give me a fresh start, Say, Jesus, come on, say, Jesus, I don't want a religion. I want a, I want a real relationship with you. So I open up the door of my heart and life, and I invite you in to be my Savior, my Lord. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise.